How can bots be used for audits and in the workplace? In episode 40, writer and CEO of Open Dialogue, Ronald Azri, is on the Botters News podcast. Have a lot of fun. Welcome to Botters News Podcast. This podcast is all about staying ahead of the curve through the implementation of personalized one-on-one conversations with your audience. We focus on designing personas, the conversations they are having, and the technology that is enabling the dialogue. Here are your hosts, Hans and Jerome. Hi, everyone. Uh, thanks for joining uh, the Botters News Podcast today. Uh, Ronald Asri is joining us for an interview. He's uh, CEO of Open Dialogue, and he also wrote a great book about AI-powered workplace. So, uh, uh, Ronald, great to have you here on uh, on the show. Hi, Hans. Th- thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, looking forward to this. Hey, I always ask uh, the question, like, uh, yeah, of course, briefly introduction because our listeners uh, perhaps know you already, perhaps not. And in, uh, and how did you? Uh, arrive in the conversational AI business? We'll be curious. Uh, yeah, sure. So my, my background is in uh, artificial intelligence. Um, way back when I did a PhD in something called agent-based systems, which we will probably talk about in a bit. Uh, and then I went into knowledge management and kind of large-scale knowledge management and content management systems been doing that for about 15 years, working for all sorts of organizations, multinationals, governments, startups, and so on, always in a consulting role uh, in a few different countries across Europe, the US, UK. Um, And then in 2017, we got, uh, or at least I got excited about conversational interfaces uh, it kind of spoke to me and its relationship to what I did when I was in academia. We started a company called Greenshoot Labs, which was a conversational AI consultancy. So we were helping clients to figure out what to do with all these new technologies, NLP, communication interfaces, and so on. Um, we sold Greenshoot Labs in 2019 to a company called TPX Impact. And uh, as we were building uh, projects and products for our clients, we started identifying things that to us felt were missing from right. um, uh, the, the tool set of conversational uh, interface and application design. And that eventually led to what is today Open Dialog. So it started as a bit of an in-house toolkit became something a bit bigger, and now it's a full standalone product with its no-code editor and, and all of that. Cool, cool. Hey, you, you said that you started something, what was missing. I, yeah, what, 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 what do you think related, of course, in the area of conversation design, but what is the biggest pitfall that you see starting, um, yeah, implementing a chatbot or conversational AI? What would be... The number one that you would think like that's that's definitely a pitfall that uh, that everybody jumps into. <laughs> so, for me, the most interesting thing was, um, and I'm I'm a software engineer or or computer scientist by trade. Mm-hmm. Um, so the the most the the thing that was missing the most was the lack of a model 
that described what it is that we're trying to do. So if you, right. if you think back to the early days of uh, conversation design, and early days is just a few years ago. But anyway, thinking mm. back to yeah. all, all that way back to those early days, you have this idea of, okay, I want a bot, and I'm going to say something, and it's going to reply, and we're going to try and achieve something together. Great. And then you go into the tools, and you say, right, how should I build this thing? And they say, well, here's a list of intents, um, and uh, uh, train your intents to answer to things. And they kind of stop there. And said, mm-hmm. maybe you could, you know, here's some hooks. You can go call onto services and do stuff in the back end. But that's it. Uh, that's, that was early Watson, early Dialogflow, right, right, right. Yeah. Or all like that. And there is a big space from a list of intents that we can identify and react to, to a conversational application. Right. Like, um, so the, the question for us beyond even just tooling is conceptually, what bridges that gap? What does mm-hmm. a conversational application look like of which intense is definitely a part? Well, I say definitely it's potentially a big part, but mm-hmm. yeah, what bridges that gap? So that's what the, the thing that was missing for us. Right. That's what I would say if you're trying to build a conversational application today, and you'll notice I call it conversational application, not bot or virtual assistant right. yeah, or yeah, 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 so on yeah. and so forth. What does that application look like? What, what describes it? Just write it down on a piece of paper, draw mm-hmm. a picture, and then you can go look at tooling and all of that. Right, right. First, uh, write it down. And um, yeah, you also mentioned something uh, when we uh, pre-discussed this about, uh, of course, uh, 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 that you really need to determine why you do a project, right? Could you iterate a little bit there and give some tips on, on that area, which we also believe with the bot implementation formula is very critical that it's non-technology related, but from your experience? Um, yeah, so that's that's taking even a step uh, before you even have to worry about what your conversational application looks like or from a software engineering perspective, how you're going to model it and so on. There is why do you even need it? Right? Mm. And that's the other uh, big issue that uh, a lot of organizations um, uh, faced. And, and I think um, initially uh, there was this sense of artificial intelligence is coming and it's going to change everything. And conversational AI is a big part of that. So we should be doing something. Or even worse, we should be seen to be doing something. So uh, you had a lot of innovation labs uh, uh, saying, yeah, we're we're doing some interesting experiments and so on. While, as with anything, if you want to build something, you have to have pretty good uh, business drivers uh, to, to, to help guide you into, do you actually need this thing? Uh, What's the problem you're trying to solve? Is a conversational application the best way to solve that problem? What are the other options? And and so on. And I think for a bit, it was easy to forget it because we were caught up in trying to understand what is artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. 
now I'm seeing uh, things going back to basics and uh, companies making the choices for much more sensible reasons other than just it's new and shiny and exciting. Right. Hey, uh, uh, sensible reasons, uh, great words. Uh, what do you see the most that uh, that conversational AI with open dialogue or in the industry where um, uh, uh, conversational applications, as you call them, uh, uh, should uh, are, are playing a role right now. What's what's the what's the biggest area that you see? Because some uh, some companies are, of course, focusing on a little different stuff. But you're quite broad with open dialogue. But where where is the most focus right now to start these uh, conversational applications? So I think the the focus remains in. Um or the, the overwhelming amount of work is in uh, customer support roles right. because there is that very uh, immediate connection between, well, a customer is coming with an issue yep. and uh, we need to have that conversation to try and resolve the, the issue. Uh, so scaling those conversations um, uh, either because there are a lot of customers coming or customers are coming through different channels, whether it's uh, phone, WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger, your website and so on, um, or because you want to scale across different uh, geographies and different time zones. That's the first place where an organization is, is most likely to, to clearly identify the need for automation, right? With, right having this customer support conversations and we need to scale them. And in order to do that, automation is a, is a really great way to do it rather than just hiring more and more people. What I think is even more interesting once you go beyond that is mm -hmm. to say, well, what other conversations are we having or could be having with uh, our customers, with our employees and what of those conversations do we need to automate and scale? Right, and so you can start. You start seeing. Um, I think healthcare is uh, healthcare and social care is a really interesting space where um, you you there are all sorts of conversations that need to happen before you are in front of a doctor doing something. It might be booking an appointment, it might be initial triage, and so on. So that space is really interesting. I think commerce and um, uh, I don't know if it's a new term, but definitely the term, everything that falls under conversational commerce, which is help me decide what is the right product given a vaguer definition of requirements yeah. from the customer perspective. That's a really right. interesting space. And then obviously tied to also what I, I did for the, my, my book, the AI powered workplace is conversations within the workplace right? and uh, what are those conversations and how you can automate them. Very interesting, of course, now with, with still COVID and uh, a lot of people still working from home regarding your book, and I'll put a link in the show notes, but could you, could you share a little bit on, on, on the book and, and, and the, yeah, what we call sometimes executive summary to, to the podcast, that's a little <laughs> bit shorter, but could you share a little bit like what, what, uh, what, 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 how can you then have these conversational applications within the workplace and how can they help um, different personas, let's put it that way? Yeah, so the, the, the book um, covers three, uh, connects three different 
things. Um, it uh, looks at um, artificial intelligence and how you, how you can start thinking about artificial intelligence. What does it mean to introduce artificial intelligence to any space? Right. Then it looks at data and uh, what I call conversational collaboration platforms, which are three big words to say things like Slack and Teams and Facebook work or whatever else that is primarily conversational. Uh, some people still use Skype, right? That you use within your organization to collaborate with everyone. Right. So uh, what happens when you start combining those three things? So the, the conversational collaboration platform becomes, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's your, your interface into work. And especially in um, these days with, with COVID and everything else that's going on, it's, it, it's not just a theoretical interface. It literally means when, when I open Slack in the morning, I'm at the office. That mm-hmm. is the, the, the core action that I will take to say, hey, I'm here. Right. Um, and we have all these different channels and conversations with people. Uh, what if we start and how can we start automating some of that? Um, uh, so there's, there's, there is traditional support functions that need to happen within an organization. Hey, how can I ask for uh, vacation time? What's the Wi-Fi password? Right. Uh, when's that meeting? All that stuff that might go into HR or to some operations team. You can start automating those conversations. Then it can get a bit more interesting. It can help people ask questions of their data. How many sales did we have last week? How can I figure out what's the diversity distribution in, in our team and so on? And there's backend systems that can do all that stuff. Can we put conversational interfaces in front of them? And it's not just allowing people to ask a question mm-hmm. because that's, that's mostly search, like what, right. where is this, what is this, and so on. It's taking it one step further and helping people to ask the, the, the right question or reformulate their question. Mm-hmm. Like, I know in my mind what I want. I'm not quite sure what is that series of words that's going to get it back for me. And can I work with something to tell me, well, here's your options. Here's the various dimensions. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you need to know? And, and uh, it, are there also use cases in, in helping people proactively on stuff? Uh, like with meetings or I have no clue, but. Yeah, I, I think so. There is uh, a, a use case that we went quite deep into is, um, is around a, a simple thing. It's checklist management. <laughs> and I was, uh, I was impressed by how deep you could go just thinking about checklists. So the, the typical scenario is imagine that um, you have a new person joining the team. Right. So there is a number of activities that need to happen. You need to order a computer for them, a desk, uh, introduce them to people, sign them up to some things and so on. And it's different people that have access to the different tools that all need to be coordinated together. So uh, ideally, if you're an organized um, uh, business, there's a checklist of sorts and there's right. people responsible for the different items. And every time someone joins, you 
instantiate that checklist and say, right, we need to run through all these things now. Uh, so a bot that we built is, uh, is called Team Checklist. And the idea is we collectively create a checklist and then we hand it over to the, the bot and we say, okay, now you run this checklist. So you're going to yeah. look at the first item, see who is responsible, ping them on Slack, tell them, hey, you need to do this. Once they've done it, you move on to the second item and the third item. You can send reports every day saying, here's how much of this checklist is done. Here's what's missing. You can facilitate the interaction between people and so on. So the, the automated tool becomes a coordinator between different people to enable them to do work asynchronously and not have to say, hey, did you do this? Can I then go and do that? Or, or even just the simple question of, is this done right. without necessarily like from a manager perspective, is this done? You can just go ask the bot and leave people in peace to, to get on right. with their actual work. Yeah. Cool. 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 Yeah. You can automate a lot. To, also within an organization. Uh, yeah. From an HR and IT standpoint. Yeah. Yeah, more oh, yeah. yeah. What was the key takeaway from the book? If you would, would share that um, uh, to the audience, like what, well, for me, it's new, so that it is possible. <laughs> it's, uh, r- running bots oh. on Slack and Teams, but uh, but but what would be what would be the thing that you would like to share with the audience? So I, th- I think there's there's three perspectives into it. Right, so there is the the personal perspective of um, as uh, a an, an employee within an organization or um, a, a CEO or a founder, whoever I am. Um, what does automation mean? Uh, and uh, uh, there's this concept within the book of, uh, you know, start. Uh, automation can mean all sorts of things. The question is how much autonomy you provide to the thing that is automating. So, you know, if it's just deciding if something is on or off, it's not necessarily a lot of autonomy, but if it's deciding if uh, a group of 10 people should have a meeting two weeks from now and it's impacting a whole series of calendars and it's all doing all of that automatically, you've given that th- thing a lot of autonomy. For sure. Yeah. So, so let's start thinking about the implications of that. Then from a, uh, and what it means for us as people and the work that we do, then from a business perspective, there is uh, what are the consequences of us not uh, adopting this stance that says, let's look at automation and how it can change our business. And uh, the, the very simple lesson I think that we've seen already is that the, there is a, an automation divide that is being created between organizations that automate and as a result accelerate what they're able to do um, and organizations that don't automate and uh, uh, it's i i see it as sitting next to kind of the digital divide and digital transformation right there's an automation transformation which is the next journey in your digital transformation. Right, 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 right. And, and that from a what's going to drive competition in the future is you can already see it, right? You can, what it's doing for certain organizations and not for others. And then the third perspective is a societal perspective 
It's as we're doing all these things, our society is going to change uh, because when you automate, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to, you're going to fire people and so on, but right. the type of work that people are going to do is going to change and maybe you're not going to hire as many people and so on. We actually have to think about that. And I, I finished the book with, uh, I think I called it A Day uh, in 2033, Mm-hmm. which when I was writing the book in 2020 felt like an appropriate timescale. Now with everything that's going on in the world, I don't know, we might have to push that a bit further out because mm-hmm. we've, we, we've made things very complicated for ourselves recently. But it describes this uh, you know, completely remote work environment where um, uh, it's a four-day uh week right Uh, it's uh, it's fewer hours in the week and uh, the the thing that powers a lot of that is your uh conversational collaboration platform that's the operating system of your business Mm -hmm. it's connected into all the different data sources into all the different actions that your business can do and it's uh it's a wonderful world would love to live in that world we actually have to work quite hard to achieve that future that i think it's entirely doable but if we uh put in place the right policies at every level yeah 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 well it's 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 a lot of hard work to set it up and also to monitor it right that's uh we always uh, say about implementation you have to do a measure phase some people believe that when uh, they start conversational ai and they start like it's done it's tested off we go but of course you have to watch what uh, what people are searching for, what looking at, and when the bot all the time says, uh, "I don't understand," or "Can you help me out?" That's of course a lot of funny stuff now. Also, still on LinkedIn, where conversational oh, yeah. AI people are very skeptical for conversational AI, uh, as uh, as the bot truly doesn't understand everything. Yeah, M- moving a little bit there. We we, we always say about implementation, you have the discovery phase. We we talked a little bit about, of course, that about that it needs to be it has a purpose and the why. The second phase, we always say it's design, and it's about persona, conversation design, and 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 the technology. Let's let's come to the technology in a bit Re- regarding conversation design as as experts. Could you share a little bit there on on some tips and tricks or what you have seen, what you should do, what you should not do? Because I think that's always uh, very critical to to have a bot out there or a conversational application out there that. Uh, that is in favor of the of the customer, right? Good customer yeah. experience. Yeah. Could you share that a little bit? Yeah. Uh, so I think from from uh, our perspective, what we see as um, quite significant is having clarity about the problem that you're trying to solve and uh, approaching design, saying we we are here within a specific context in order to help the user solve a specific problem. Right. Um, And it's because we're designing conversations, that is something that we grew up uh, with. And as as human beings, we are all the experts in conversation. We converse uh, every day, all day. It's really easy for us to go down rabbit holes and say, well, what if it says this? And, oh, wouldn't it be cute if it had a little joke to say here? And wouldn't this be funny? And what are we going to call it? Let's think of names. We love to name things and so on. And we get lost in all of that and forget the, hey, it's, it's, it's an automated service. 
it's software trying to help you to solve a problem. Right. So in open dialogue, we, we like to talk about um, conversations to be had, similar to the idea of uh, jobs to be done, right? So there is mm-hmm. a number of conversations that you need to do in order to complete the job. Uh, there's all sorts of other things that humans do that are not necessarily relevant. Right. Uh, and I think that's the first stance. You are, you are not solving the Turing problem. You're not building the next cutest thing ever. Yeah, I'm sorry, but you're building a software tool that's meant to help humans solve something. Right. And it was actually so, uh, there was a really interesting article on LinkedIn. Well, I, I don't remember which newspaper published this um, that uh, talked about voice assistants and how annoying they are. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and that's because they tried to be cute and mm-hmm. they miss the context uh, because the, the, the upfront up thinking around the persona didn't really take into account the context within which people are and what they're trying to solve. Right, right. And, and it skewed too much on the, hey, let's be fun and uh, cool and so on. Yeah, a lot of focus on persona design and less on the conversation design and solving the conversational problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About uh, the platform, yeah, uh, uh, persona, uh, conversations, and then we always say it's also a piece of technology platform. Could you share a little bit uh, 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 about uh, Open Dialogue and, uh, and how it connects and what it does and what problem it solves for people in, sure. in the landscape exactly. and in the ecosystem? <laughs> That's my favorite topic. I'm so glad you asked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, is not uh, a, this is not a pitch and for pay podcast for, for the listeners, what? by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so. No, so uh, you'll not be surprised to, to hear, since I mentioned at the start, the importance of a model. Like the, the core differentiator of open dialogue is it's not just a tool. Mm-hmm. It starts as a set of ideas a conceptual understanding of what it means to build conversational applications. So it starts with what we call an opinionated model that describes this thing that we're trying to build. What is a conversational application? What are its component parts? And it sounds grand, but it's actually quite simple. Mm -hmm. We say, well, there are, there, there are, there is a, an overall context within which there are participants, the bot and the human, and they exchange intents. And the way they exchange intents is through messages. And that exchange happens within a context that can have a very localized uh, meaning, which we call a turn, then a slightly broader uh, context, which we call a scene, which happens within a conversation, which happens within a scenario. Uh, then there's a bunch of other things, but that's the basics. So this is the open dialogue model. And then the open dialogue tool and platform is an implementation of that model. It's saying, if you're convinced that this is a good way of describing conversational applications, here is a tool that behaves in exactly that same way. So as you're building with it, you are following a, a well-defined model and way of interactions. Right. So that means that, uh, that the user of Open Dialog gets a lot of support with the model to perform 
conversation design well, right? Yeah. So without going too much into pitch land, the, the, uh, let me put it this way. The objective is um, you can develop sophisticated conversational applications, so something that goes beyond just answering FAQs and so on, but it's multi-term. Uh, so there is a number of back and forth before we, we actually solve the problem. You can design that quickly. Mm-hmm. And uh, crucially, you can scale it as right. well. Because I'm sure you've seen this as well, but what we've seen a lot with clients is their first go at something, after a few missteps and so on, there is actually something that works, right? They've managed to automate something and there is value. Right. Where they get stuck is, okay, how do we scale this now? It can do this bit, but I want it to do all these other bits. And uh, this bit over here is a spaghetti of different things that we added over time. And because we didn't follow a consistent model, now we can't break it apart and put it back together again. And that scaling bit is, is a really core part of why we think Open Dialog brings something. Yeah, I find that really cool because some, some of course, solutions like Batmark was taken over by, by uh, uh, the retail giant, right? And, uh, and Bot by Society, Walmart, yeah. uh, by Walmart, uh, Bot Society uh, closed the doors, uh, uh, as I have seen. Um, th- these, these applications, more conversational design interfaces to help with these conversations, connected a lot, if I understand correctly, but I'm still learning, connected a lot with with the open dialogues and the Razas and uh, 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 these engines, let's put it that way. Uh, you guys integrate as well, but you also have your own engine, right? Is that right? Or, or am I that's, misinterpreting? That's ex- so my, my theory around, and this is purely a theory, around uh, tools like uh, Botmark and Bot Society and so on, and uh, is from a designer perspective, mm-hmm. you know, I can... It's, it's a bit like a Photoshop for conversation design. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. I can go in and mock something really interesting and, and right. show it to, to a stakeholder and get approval about what this is. And that's incredibly valuable. But then I have to go build it. Right. Yeah. So there's this handover moment where you say, well, here's the spec. Here are my Photoshop files yeah, 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 to, yeah. to build a website that looks like <laughs> this, right? And we've, we found that out with website design. It doesn't work because it never looks as good. The yeah. conversations will never behave as nicely as the designer envisions them to behave. And enormous testing, right? Because you think it's yeah. clear in the Photoshop, you get the website and you still have to go over everything, right? When you, Absolutely. When you build a website like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And the, the way we're trying to address the issue with open dialogue is to say, well, you need to be able to design. You need to be able to prototype quickly and so on. Uh, I feel like a broken record, but having a good model yeah. of what it is you're trying no, to no, design no, but that's cool. yeah, yeah. means yeah. that you, know, you can design a number of different things, test them, but you're working with the tool, and by the time you're done, you are done. There, there yeah. is, um, that's, that's, there's the no handover anymore, right? There's yeah. no handover. The conversation right. engine can run it. You've been working with the conversation engine to do all this. And then the developers come in. If you have, um, specific requirements around your language model, or you have integrations to yeah. backend services and so on, but otherwise yeah. 
you're done. You're good to go. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, very nice, very nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, most funniest conversational uh, application example. I'm always curious. I saw, uh, of course, some of them. I heard a couple of them, but I always like the the funny parts where, well, perhaps it didn't go well, but but perhaps a funny use case that you have seen uh, that you um, can share that people wouldn't think of. That uh, I want to get the people also more inspired on fun stuff and what you also can do. Besides, I, I really find it very interesting what you shared around the workplace, right? Because I have I had no clue that that was always possible. But do do, do you have another example, just a generic example of? of uh, yeah. So so the my this is my favorite, and it will remain my favorite story of. Uh, um, our early days as a consultancy, we were approached by um, a PR firm, mm-hmm. and kind of that's that's the first signal um, <laughs> that said, "Hey, we're working with uh, a UK-based charity that wants to do something for uh, kids to get them excited about AI." And uh, we went back and forth with ideas and ended up saying, okay, let's, uh, we're going to build an Alexa skill that's going to help a football team shape their strategy for a football game. Right. Uh, so called it the, the football manager. And uh, you would start up the skill. Uh, we put in a bunch of uh, quotes from famous um, uh, football uh, uh, managers and so on and and sorry just a slight tangent the perhaps one of the funniest elements of all of this the entire team that was working on the football manager we were terrible at football collectively right. <laughs> I, at one point a question within the office was it's 11 players in a football team right? <laughs> yeah right like, that was a level of expertise yeah. how, we how many playing. do we need yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. <laughs> And uh, so you would you would tell the football manager, hey, I think the other team is strong in um, uh, attacking, and this is the formation that they're going to play with. And we read a bunch of football manuals, and would then suggest, well, okay, if they're playing four four two, you should use this formation, or right. you should try this thing in attack, and so on. And it was kind of fun, and it was a back and forth. Um, and the idea was just to get kids yes. familiar with Alexa. But the PR firm took this, found an actual football club that was willing to film their manager talking to Alexa about pregame uh, planning and strategy. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That got picked up by the, the UK press. It blew up. It was uh, the day the, the release went out in the video. It was uh, in all the big newspapers. Um, one of our developers was in, in Sky News uh, in the UK setting up the Alexa and having the, the sports presenter talking to it. Uh, we got uh, interview requests from, I remember I did one with a Norwegian uh, awesome. newspaper wow. yeah. talking about the future of AI in football and will football managers be replaced. And cool. this was just a little Alexa skill, which was cute and funny. Yeah. Uh, but definitely not replacing any football manager. Oh yeah, yeah, but it opened the eyes. But uh, what they, yeah, they, of course, in the US, Alexa is is very big. I think in in Europe, it's it's a little bit less. So sometimes also people don't know what you all can ask Alexa, right? It's getting yeah. more traction. But uh, yeah, really, and it, cool and it was four years ago, which was the height of. Uh, 
yeah, yeah, yeah. the madness of is AI going to take over everything? So we yeah. just slot right in uh, with that. And even about then and still is, is Alexa listening, right? And is Google, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And is Google also listening, which, which is also an interesting uh, story. Well, yeah, yeah. Hey, a very cool uh, story. Yeah, many people don't know that, of course, Alexa is also bought. Uh, or, or conversational application. I, I try. I'm going to try to use that one. It's it's a little bit less intrusive than the chatbots. What everybody listens to, thinking like, oh, this annoying thing on the website, right? So yeah, 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 yeah. Then they would say like conversational application. Yeah, yeah. It's, they, they, it definitely triggers them in a more positive sense. So yeah, really, really, really okay. cool. Hey, hey, coming up to um, to the end of the interview, um, the ultimate step, the first step that people. Uh, should or could or must take uh, when they would think of uh, conversational uh, applications. Uh, what what would you suggest that they could really tangibly start and do? Uh, I, I'm going to make it really difficult Go because on. <laughs> it's going to be the second step probably, as I know you now. <laughs> uh, determining the problem and the why is, is the first one, perhaps, but we leave that out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> As we both agree that that's very critical, right? What what is the problem that you're solving? Do you have another tip that that, that or or in that area? I'm just joking, but in a, in the area like like hey, next week start with this, right? And see if this makes sense. Then that you then call Ronald or you call me to get some help. Uh, well, I think calling uh, either one of us is a great idea. That's, <laughs> yeah. uh, that's going to guarantee success for your project. Uh, but no, I, I think so. It's it's slightly boring, but it remains true. It's once you've decided you you want to do something within an organization, is put in place the people work to get support from all the right parts of the organization. That's right. where I see most projects fail. Right uh, at the uh European chatbot summit uh which happened a couple of weeks ago uh Micah Coppens which is our chief design officer and I did a talk on conversational collaboration right uh-huh. and it was talking about what needs to be put in place by an organization to help with uh, the success of conversational projects and it's well the first is you know be doing it for the right reasons but then it's, uh, it's about thinking about who are the stakeholders and getting everyone involved, making sure you're in this for the long term. Uh, so we talked about this, uh, this idea of critical ve- velocity. Your, uh, your project needs to hit a certain level of value. Otherwise, it's, it's, it's going to be uh, deemed a, a failure. Uh, right. or it's going to be pulled back by the old digital way of, of doing things. So you need to define what is that level of value and make sure you have commitment to get to that point. Sure. And, and bots are annoying, right? Um, the, the first day of uh, a conversational application is its worst day. Yeah. Uh, so Let's the day that. you launch is going to be the hardest day. And that's very hard for organizations to deal with, with, with websites or other things, your first day is the most amazing day. Everything mm-hmm. is perfect and no one messed with the content of the website and it's just right. With bots, it's the other way around. So yeah, you need to prepare point. people for that. 
Yeah. Uh, and then you have to accept that it's still new. So you have to build trust and uh, be able to deal with, with failure and all of that. So I think that is absolutely crucial. And then you can start worrying about your language models and the state of NLP in the world that really it shouldn't be a big problem for individual uh, bots and so on. But uh-huh. yeah, organizational challenges are always, I think, the, right. the hardest ones, people problems. And then one other more, create a checklist for that to do everything and then put that on Slack with the bot, right? So to make sure that you involve the stakeholders, have regular meetings, to inform about the progress, that would be that would be cool. That methodology you can put also in a bot. <laughs> then they can experience immediately how a bot works internally, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it would yeah. be easy for the bot to tell you to do it. Then you actually have to convince the people. Yeah, 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 but, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. he or she can plan meetings to make sure that uh, that there is enough adoption. Yeah, yeah, really cool. Hey, marvelous, marvelous. Where uh, where can people find you and and uh, uh, open dialogue? Then uh, we will also put that in the show notes, but. Uh, as we're going so, to publish this, what's the OpenDialogue.ai uh, right. for everything Open Dialogue related, and um, yeah, I'm uh, I, I am one of a uh, few lucky people that I am Google unique. So Google Ronald Ashry, and yeah. if you find someone that is not me, please tell me because I would like to meet that person. Right, right, yeah. right. cool, cool. Yeah. And then LinkedIn uh, would be good, or uh, at least we can. Yeah, LinkedIn, LinkedIn, Twitter. Okay. Uh, well, that's about it. I'm not yeah. a very uh, social media person so yeah, no, yeah i try twitter yeah. as well I'm, i just i have to i have to reshape that a little bit no really cool ronald thanks so much i put the links thank in the you. show notes especially about the book and the workforce much appreciated really cool thank you thank you